Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Otari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who's a super big fan of surprise corpses. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and at least last time Stan Brackage showed me a corpse, I knew to expect a corpse. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, the last time they weren't surprise corpses. This, this, no. this is surprise corpses. I was pretty upset. I was not yeah. prepared. Uh, not a fan. When we watched the act of seeing with with one's eyes, I remember I was upset by the material, and you were less so because you viewed it as pure documentary, right? Uh, uh, but yeah, just just random cuts to those. I mean, they are the same images. He didn't like go to another, yeah, <laughs> morgue, right? Uh, so random cuts to. What has forever been one of the lasting images in my head of the act of seeing with one's eyes, which is the scalpel through fatty tissue. See, see, that's the problem. That's the that's not the image that bothers me. I'm relatively capable of dealing with that image. What bothered me yeah. was the cut to the open cranium. Yeah, yeah, the that open cranium really is another one I, fucked I remember. Me up. I was like, this is not. Yeah. And then, like, the fact that like. I don't remember the act of seeing with one's eyes very well. I probably yeah. mostly blocked it out. It didn't bother me enough to like, but like clearly, like I did not like walk around thinking about how awesome right. it is every day. Um, right, 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 right. But like, man, just the way that this, these, these, this set of videos that we've been watching since the beginning have very sort of epileptic, like, like hyper fast cuts. Yeah. Uh, which I already don't like. I'm I'm really getting to the point where I'm really really tired of this, of this. I say era, but the like, style of brackage. Yes, yeah. I'm yeah. very very tired of hyper fast cuts. Like they're really, like I don't know what exactly is happening, but like they give me a very uncomfortable feeling. Like just in general, yeah. okay. Like I do not like them. I want them to stop every time they start happening. I generally just feel forced to look away. And then to yeah. combine those with just a lot of some of those rapid cuts being two corpses is just too much. It's just it's just too much. I'm already kind right. of nauseous because of like the video, like the the style of cutting. And then you combine it with just showing me really like wretched stuff. It's just too much. I don't yeah. I don't I we and then to spend nearly every single time you're talking, talking about sort of the nature, sort of digging into the idea of vulgar art and like yeah. kind of implying that yours isn't, but other people's is. It's this was a rough week. Pat, before we continue talking about how uh, how rough our bracket set this week was, let's talk about our Patreon. Absolutely. Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Over there, you can help keep us going for as little as a dollar a month. You get access to bonus content. We do a bonus episode over there every month, uh, January through November. Then our December bonus episode is our holiday special that everybody gets to hear. They're excellent. 
The bonus episodes are excellent. They are. And for the Patreon bonus episodes, our viewers get to vote on what we're going to watch. So I put together a little themed list uh, based on whatever whims I have or whatever suggestions Patreon supporters might have given me and vote on that. It's always four items. And then the fifth item is Kazam, the children's movie from 1996, starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie, which is a fun movie to watch once. Uh, Already kind of less the second time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it sure, it sure gets more, more and more rough. Uh, every time we watch it. So thankfully, I craft good lists that people don't want to punish us for to make us watch Kazam and, over To and be over fair, again. they probably just don't want to hear us talk about Kazam anymore. I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. That's all the $1 mark, and uh, you also get the back catalog. There's 60 uh, bonus episodes up there now, so that's a lot. I mean, not a lot like compared to how many actual Lost in Criterion episodes there are, because... 500 there's, there's is more than 60. Yeah. I but, mean, uh, there's a lot for a Patreon. I mean, to be fair, like, for, for you know, I mean, we've been doing it long enough that you could spend a pretty good long while listening to those if you wanted to dig oh, through yeah. the catalog. They are, I would argue, um, just the, taken in totality just the, of themselves better than the totality of the regular episodes by sheer nature of the fact that we didn't start <laughs> doing them until we knew what we were doing. That's fair. That's fair. I will also say uh, we have more Patreon bonus episodes than many movie podcasts have in their entire in their actual episode, episode so. catalog. Well, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. podcasts uh, are not notoriously uh, long-lived creatures. Right. 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 They are much like uh, uh, they are much like a lot of winter or summer insects. They sort of appear, reproduce a bit, and then they 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 right. die. Oh, man. Some of my other movie podcasts are, are kind of like 17-year cicadas where just pop up. <laughs> they just show up once every 17 years. Every so uh, often. Like make a lot of noise uh, and then go away again. That's all the $1 mark. A little above that, the $5 mark for folks who uh, who can afford to help keep us going a little bit more. I'd like to thank those folks on air. So thank you so much. Andrew Jarrett, Eric Coronado, Christopher Otto, and Stephen Goldmeyer are $5 supporters right now. Thank you so much, guys. A little above that, we do something that's pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. Uh, and hopefully it's visual art because I get it printed up on a postcard. What, they're and, just going to mail uh, you a waveform of our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> really highly compressed? Uh, It'll be great. It could work. It could work. Um, Next month. But yeah, I get that printed up on a postcard and mail those off once a month with a personalized thank you note to all of our $10 and above supporters also like to thank those folks on air. So thank you so much to Adam Speakerman, Tracy McGrath, Nina Bojnak, Jason Westhaver, and Patrick Iaco. Yes, if you, you want to check out those postcards, or at least most of them, the, the ones that ones either that Warner can. Brothers or Warner Brothers or Wim Wenders Production Agency have not claimed I'm copyright. I'm so mad over. about that one. I'm like really kind of livid. The Wim Wenders one, I'm super mad about. I'm really because upset not about only that. is it absolutely transformative. They never even would have known what it was if I didn't name what it was in the description. Uh, yeah, I feel like you gotta start doing the thing that like weirdos on the it. internet have to do to hide things and like name it like off brand it by like one letter in each part of the name. <laughs> also, yeah. like that's not the group of people that I would expect to be fucking assholes right, about that. Right. Like I just kind of bots. is disappointing to me yeah. in general that they're like scraping the internet like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
But yeah, head over to redbubble.com and search for Lost in Criteria, and you can see all our past card, uh, postcards except for three that have been challenged. Uh, and Redbubble doesn't really want to go to bat for those challenges, even though two of them are outright satire, and the third one is also fair use. Uh, but anyway, um, if you want to see the secret banned cards, you let me know. <laughs> yeah, we'll, and, we'll, we'll send and, you the files. You can look at them. You can even burn them yourself. Yeah. So the ones that haven't been banned, you can check out and buy as postcards, as greeting cards, as buttons, some of them, as stickers, all of them, uh, and do whatever you want with those, however you see fit. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much to everybody who has purchased from the Red Bubble and to everybody who supports us on Patreon. And yeah, yeah, we appreciate it. We're, we're really happy to have you here. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm working at some sort of like either hotel chain and or like family restaurant. Yes, we're happy to see you. Y'all here come again. back now. This week we are into program three of By Brackage Volume Two. How many programs are there? I have lost track. Of there this. are six. Okay. There are six programs. So we are halfway done, Pat. Yes. Well, we will be halfway done when we finish this episode. Well, I mean that's um, up to us how long that's going to take. That's true. Uh, this covers material from 1972 to 1982, which does have a slight overlap in time with Program 2, which covered through 1976. Right. I mean, pre- um, presumably it's because of like sort of stylistic differences between that and the right, last one. Right. They're pretty markedly different types of uh, films in this one. 100%. Program 2 last week was predominantly scenes of domestic life. Right. Uh, and even the stuff clearly shot of Brackage's family in Brackage's home uh, in program three it's a marked difference yeah there's not there's no domesticity on. to it 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 right in fact quite often the scenes of family life feel violent which is upsetting <laughs> yes that's fair that's fair uh yeah all of these are darker oh, uh, yes. some literally much much darker. Uh, oh yeah also, and, yes, and some just well. Some just thematically. I mean, um, I would say that, uh, you know, if I'm cataloging in my head, the majority of these are, are thematically more just dark. Like, right. And right, even, right. and taken in whole as a whole with the ones that, the ones that are not necessarily thematically more dark, taken as a whole with the other things that are put in this program, clearly they have a, it gives them a darker edge, right? Like makes them feel darker, right. like more sinister. Yes, yes. I, I will say, you know, in what we've already talked about with in the intro to this one, um, and we get our first big taste of uh, of a lot of the bonus material because we watched we watched all of the disc one or the the yeah the disc one bonus material because Criterion's Blu-ray is divided into two discs, so this is the end of disc one as well. Gotcha. Uh, in covering more of the bonus material, we've got a little bit more from Brackage himself to dig into with this episode. Mm. And I don't know. It seems like this could be a nadir of taking six weeks to do this. And I hope it is because it's a pretty shallow nadir, even if it is. Uh, but, uh, but it does, it's a bit low with, uh, with particularly some of, some of what Brackage has to say about. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Brackage, but, we will have to talk a lot about it. Yes, but let's uh, let's go through as we have gone through each of the previous brackets chronologically. So starting off with The Process from 1972, which is eight minutes long. 
uh, 16 millimeter silent film. This is the one that starts off with heavy purples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the, I would say, like, this is one of the ones on this set that is not, right? If I'm right, is the one of the ones on this set that is is not particularly, doesn't seem to have a noted and marked, like, sort of story-esque theme to it, right? It doesn't really, it is yeah. It is mostly just a visual art. I mean, it, of course it has right. purpose and stuff, but, like, it's not, like, screaming, like, this is what I'm about, right? Yeah. Yeah, I yes and no. For for me, a thing I got from this is deterioration, a theme of deterioration. Okay, okay. Um, there's I can see that um, nothing nothing in here. None of the manipulation of image is natural deterioration. Certainly, um, no natural deterioration process would cause what we're seeing. This is all stuff Brackett just purposely done. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah. it feels like it feels like a breakdown, um, and I think one of the things that causes that is that um, this is the first. Is okay, so <laughs> so Brackage from Volume One, way back when we've established what I think we believe to be Brackage's baseline as the painted cells. The, I mean, it's know. certainly the and thing those... that you and I have grown to associate right. with him. I think it is actually yeah. a later part of his lifestyle. It doesn't right, show up right, necessarily. Right. I mean, we saw it in the last one, the last program. So it's it, it a is a thing he it. was doing relatively early. But he kind of even in one of his interviews on in the thing, kind of references sort of tangentially like how he got there, and it becomes really clear that like at some point he got tired of the idea. Of like chopping up and like manipulating other like pre-recorded stuff, and just wanted to like generate kind of I guess quote unquote right. sort of right. It's not actually a quote, but the sort of the effect is like sort of pure art. Yeah. So so far in volume two, what we've been seeing is a lot of solid color frames, uh, as if shot with just light filters. Yes. Uh, applied like directly to the frame. Um, and then occasionally images breaking through that solid color. Yes. Uh, high contrast images breaking through. Well, yeah, yes. In so this one, one yeah. so one thing in this uh, in this one particularly a thing um, that he does here that makes those even more high contrast is that he applies the filter to the negative. Yes. Image. Um, which does produce a real. I mean, like legitimately, the visuals in this one. I, I am annoyed by as i've mentioned about the flashing colors like i i they bother me a lot like like to the point of making me deeply uncomfortable um and i don't think that's what their purpose is i think he thinks they it's visually interesting um right i find it not visually interesting i find it visually upsetting um but um that part i don't like but the things he's doing with the negatives and the filters is neat looking it like looks Legitimately rad, right? Like, right. So it, you're you're playing a kind of almost a puzzle game where you try to sort out exactly what you're looking at. Like, it took me forever to realize what the um the white with black was. That it's an inverted right. night shot of like street lamps because it just creates yeah. this very cool effect of these black dots like flying around the screen. It's very well. That shit is super cool. Like, 
Right. I, I'm right. really like deeply fascinated. Some of the process, hence the name, right? In a lot of ways, and I think is that like this is very processed film. Like he's doing a lot of processing to it, and then like it feels like this is this is a film more than any of the other ones obsessed with the the process itself and sort right, of experimenting right. with the process. Yeah, our base. Our base footage here seems to be some sort of party at the Brackage homestead. I think I think so. Although it uh, has a city vibe, so I'm wondering if it's a no, party. No, no, I think like, you might be. No, I think you might be thinking of a different one. No, no, the process is the one where, like, okay, I say it has a city vibe because of a couple things. You're right. Some of the party might not be in the city, but like nowhere near Brackage's house would there be that many streetlights. Oh, you that's fair. Think. It's, that's it's fair. at least in a bit. The, the streetlight scenes are at least recorded in like a larger town or city in it, well, they're in Colorado, right? Um, right they right, must right, be. Right. Because like he'd have to go, I think, fairly far distance to get access to just that I, many lights. But uh, I was thinking that you were referencing in, in Burial Path, which we will talk about uh, next, there are scenes that are shot with brick homes. Yes, yeah, that that is also true. Yeah. Like I mean, I think yeah. I and then also if I look at when I looked at the scenes that apparently that show people, it's hard to sort out exactly what the background is, but I felt right. it looked more like a town than their country because like you can't that actually see fair. any countryside. All you can see is um buildings, which I think implies that it's happening in a at least in a town. You're probably right. I You're think, probably I right. think probably it and Burial Path are using maybe a lot of the same foot, similar, like the same footage maybe. Uh, yeah. Of the same, maybe the same party, maybe somewhere in town with a friend or something. Hard to say. This is like beer drinking and stuff happening in the background. Right, right, uh, right, right. So. Yeah. But the, yeah, the really interesting way he manipulates the negative is that You've seen a negative image. Everything that's light colored here gets a, uh, everything that would be light colored in the negative is basically a solid shade of whatever color we're dealing right. with. Right. It's a negative and it's also blues. super high contrast. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then whatever would have been uh, white, okay. whatever would have been dark. Has that has that right. color applied to it? Whatever would have been light is just black in the image, and it creates this really interesting high contrast where you could really only tell what's happening at the edges. You don't even get like edge lines within the image. Um, so you know, it's I I thought the images themselves were very interesting. I think you are right from what you said in the introduction that we're getting epileptically, yeah. I don't, more intense. I don't like in the it. in the color switching, uh, which is not an aspect of Brackage that I like. But you know, obviously, with the painted images, they were just colors, and they were changing rapidly. Right, but they're there's, but because frame. they're kind of squiggly, I'm sure for people right. who actually suffer from epilepsy, this would be equally bad, like across the board. But that's right. not exactly Whereas, what I'm talking about. This is like. The color squiggling is can be a little bit exhausting, but it's like visually yeah. interesting to look at. Whereas flashing Whereas, colors for me is just like I feel like I'm watching something broken. Because we're dealing with the whole frame. Right. It's a it's a markedly different thing. 
And, you know, occasionally we're not necessarily dealing with the whole frame because we are applying that filter to something, a base image. Right. And that's what so. I'm wondering about is that when we get into the color switching, most of the time we are we're getting almost the entire frame. I assume yeah. that he is applying it to image. It's not just a flat frame. It is like something he recorded that is almost entirely I guess light. I guess he like up the exposure yeah. to like nearly a hundred percent. And so we're That's only possible. getting the absolute darkest things. But like the result is that you're essentially just getting pure color. Like you just you're just getting yeah. enormously long streams of flashing pure color. That like feels every so often, and I'm this is I'm gonna be I'll probably regret this later, but like every so often I I waffle on Brackage's work from it feeling really, really amazing to juvenile. Yeah. And this is one that feels more juvenile to you? Yes. Like, I think some of the stuff he's doing is really neat. Um, the processes are cool. But, like, I kind of sometimes can't, like, let go of, like, I, I, it, it sometimes just feels like I kind of, it makes me feel like a, like some sort of weird Neanderthal, but like sometimes I'm like, you're not, you're not really like, sometimes it just seems like you're just sort of throwing shit together here, man. Right, right, right. There's, there's an element of play when he's experimenting or when we're experiencing something new from him. Yeah. That, uh, that I don't, necessarily feel in this one particularly yeah and maybe it's just because at this point i've watched more bracket stuff like this right uh, and, and to a certain extent it might weeks. to it be might be part of the fact that this feels played out to us yeah maybe and even and even the squiggly stuff by the time we got done seeing hundreds of them it felt like it also felt kind of played out right like it was it was 26 but yes uh, well i, I mean but who knows how many frames? Right. Uh, right, right. My my point is is that like it it feels sometimes like Brackage's experiments in specific things, we're seeing more of them than we need to see. Yeah. Um. And I feel like this one is a is a is like reaching. It's it's like, yeah, you got some cool footage of like night lights, which that do some neat stuff when you put them in negative and apply filters to it, and like. The people are too. Like you found a really cool technique. Like I, that's cool, but like mm, it doesn't seem like you have a lot of very substantive film otherwise here. Right. I, right. It is very hard for and, me to determine what you're trying to say here. Right. And even even in Brackage's more poetic stuff, even in his um, was like from this from this week's bonus material, I will I will learn that. Maybe Brackage doesn't like the idea of calling his art abstract. Uh, I mean, we learned a lot but, about Brackage this week, so. Yeah. But uh, but even in his more ar- abstract painted cells films, there is still a narrative, a poetic narrative sometimes. Uh, sometimes um, I think about the one, uh, what was it called? Uh it's ice something black ice yeah black ice where it was mostly dark and it was like the the 
narratively, it was sort of the oh, story of someone slipping on ice. Right, right? yeah, I remember that was, one. It was mostly dark, and then there were bright, bright flashes. And, you know, that's got a narrative you can understand watching it. Certainly, if you have, like, a, 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 a content guide, you can right, get it. Right, right, yeah. Uh, but, but just watching it, it's doing something. It's It's translating across or over time you can see a thing changing. Right. Uh, this one, I don't know. I Last week, I had no issue in any of them picking up on a narrative. No, yeah, no. The last ones were very, last week's were very clear. And most of these ones yeah. are. And most of these ones are, one. yes. This one's not. Yeah. Um, the process, as the title, uh, suggests things that I don't necessarily get here. Um, because we're not learning about his process. We might be seeing a process. Right, and I don't know uh, if he's talking about his process or some other right, process. Right. But it, and this is one of those things where, like, to a certain extent, if you're going to be doing, whether he likes to call it abstract art or not, it is. Yeah. Um, I I take issue with lots of things he said in the... Uh, we are eventually yeah. going to have to talk about his interview. And we'll get, it, it we'll get into bad. it. will be bad. But, like... My, whether he likes it or not, when you're dealing with abstract art, there, especially if you're not, if your art can't in itself, like of itself convey what you're trying to get across to the audience, then it behooves you to have a title for your art piece that that helps the audience understand it. Otherwise, if you have neither of those, You've made a thing that is utterly incomprehensible to your audience. Um, yeah. And now maybe all you want them to do is get emotions from it, which is fine. And that, that might work. That that does work sometimes. But the problem you're dealing with then is, is that, like, I don't also personally derive any emotions from seeing this one. This one is, yeah. Yeah. other than a little no bit of frustration with the flashing lights. But, like, basically I, I get frustration then in that situation. I thought the filters applied to the negatives were neat images. Right. Totally. Other than that, I got very little out of this one, yeah. and I have no idea in watching this one why it ends with a shot of with shots of the kids. I don't know. Zero. I don't zero know. Idea. I don't know. Like yeah. it's possible that like he's. I guess you could argue maybe that he's discussing the fact that like again, this is only supported by the the the, the discussion he had with uh, with his interviewer, the process of getting away from like like using his family as subject. Yeah. Yeah. But like again, there's not enough information in the he title has... to actually derive that information. Right, right. If if this is part of that shift and I I think it is. I think that's why we get the bonus material on that bonus material on disc 1, for instance, right. instead of at any other time. Um this is sort of a step away from the domestic stuff we saw from last week into more art. It is still using domestic images at its heart, scenes of home life, scenes of the kids, scenes of whatever's going on with the lit candles and the people in the house or the people outside. Um, But... The manipulation here makes it feel less like a Brackage-style home movie, right? Well, it's it's certainly last week's it, it, the manipulation is certainly, if nothing else, rendering them 
bordering on unrecognizable, right? Right. A hallmark right, right. of the previous, like the stuff we saw last week was certifiably, identifiably home life stuff. Right, right. Yeah. So moving on to Burial Path, which from 1978, also about eight minutes long. Uh-huh. Um, this one's uh, on Super 8. This is one that is very narrative. Uh, yes. This is about the death of a bird, yes. the burial of a bird. Um, now, one could argue that the, the bird is maybe being used uh, metaphorically uh, for for human life or something. It's possible. Um, I mean, like, we don't we don't really necessarily get enough information to to know that, but... Yeah. Uh, I I like this one because we get, we get shots... We start with shots of the dead bird. Um, and then we get sort of uh, intermittent shots of... They're, they're kind I of mean, I would... They're, they're water droplets, they're windows, they're pieces of metal. They are kind of... Uh, they're occasionally uh, red or robin's egg blue hues applied to them. Yeah. And they really, I think that some of those images are Brackage getting into uh, a bird's eye view, not not what we traditionally use that phrase to mean of an overhead view, but but Brackage trying to demonstrate what he believes these birds see the world Yeah, Yeah, something like that. I was also thinking my personal perspective on this is that I think that in many ways this 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 film is engaging with the idea of like sort of cyclicalness and yes. we we begin then with the same images and we even see that dead bird like about a third like a halfway through one gets this yeah. sort of idea of like a sort of cycle of birth and death happening represented by the right. bird um and yeah I think you're right about the the bird's view bird's eye view um we also get a lot of images of like the birds <laughs> like yeah and like living their bird life uh which is right. again i think is 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 trying to engage with the idea that like the bird's death is neither a new thing nor an old thing and right and will keep yeah. happening over and over and over again which of course becomes a metaphor for life that kind of writ large and, right and of course uh cycles of birth and death and and death and birth as you've already said um also lend very well to the images of winter that we see right, here. Right. Of snow following on evergreen trees of uh, scenes of brick neighborhoods in winter. Um, winter is a time where things die so that they can be born again. Right. right. Uh, and we have like, they light the box with the bird on it in fo- on fire. Right. I right. mean, there's all kinds of, there's a lot of like. Well, they bury, re- they do bury the bird. Right. But then, but then they burn the box that the bird was I kind of, I, I mentally read that as like, because I was reading it as a cyclical thing, like the, the methods by which the bird is disposed of can be. Right. Are varied. Multiple. In nature. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I also find it interesting. Un- unrelated, I found it fascinating that the, the bird is absolutely buried in a manner which will result in like some sort of animal digging it up like five minutes after oh yeah yeah it's such it's under the bird is in such a shallow grave yeah like a quarter inch of of not even dirt just like wood yeah it's it's really like i was like in my head i was like guys this is not right i mean i i i know this is mostly you know just probably at first was probably just to satiate the children Right. And help them deal with the fact that the bird is dead, but like Right, right. The bird right. is food so this one, now. <laughs> like Yeah. This one is dealing with domesticism in that it is dealing with 
it probably exists because the kids found a dead bird, right? Right. Uh, but it is removed from that domesticism. Although, that to the... be fair, if we're talking about the timeline of things, it suggests to me that Brackett sat on this footage for a pretty long time, right? Because the time range that you've talked about, we've been watching videos with Brackett's kids in them for like over a decade now. Yeah. Uh, which would mean that, that my guess is that like at some point we crossed over from Brackett's recording live things that like he wanted to use in his art with the kids. I mean, he still was doing that because just the way they're shot it has like is just very brackagey always, right? Like, well, we also have to remember that Brackage is constantly having more kids through this. Period this is too. this is true. So. This is true. I don't know how many kids he's at right now, but like, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, my point was is that like, it's also worth noting that it it seems apparent to me at some point we crossed into a world where. Not only is Brackage having multi, like lots of kids all the time, but Brackage is also like, um, constantly recording things that he thinks might be useful later. Right, right. Like, and he's so, and because he has such a like specific hymn style, he can kind of always just record things in the hymn style. And and I keep coming back to the thing I kept thinking about the first week, which is like. Boy, that family has no like legit home movies. They all have like yeah. ones that are useless for actually like memory, right? Like, you can't go back and look at any of these as their ki- as the kids and be like, "Well, this is us at the beach or whatever." No, it's like because even if even if they're not hacked up to make his art, they are shot in such a brackagey way that you can hardly make out what's going on. Yeah, but all of them are really great for having. Uh a philosophical meta discussion on the nature of memory. So there's that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, I mean, it seems no to one ever me, watches those home movies anyway, Pat, but, but they serve an important purpose in the sort of social dynamic. Um, right. And so it's my, th- to a certain extent, we didn't talk that much about this a couple weeks ago. We did a little bit, but it almost strikes me based on like interviews with Brackage. And then also the way he shot, essentially all of these videos, it really strikes me that like to a certain extent Brackage was engaged in a sort of like at best a just general rebellion against the idea of what is like what it means to be a dad. Um, oh yeah. And then particularly, I would, uh, particularly an American suburban dad of his era. Right. Yes. And and I don't Whenever you get into the world of like dad's a rebel and doesn't want to do things the way other dads do, that that has always struck me as a very is both like I get it, I understand where it comes from, but it also has always struck me as a very selfish proposition to yeah. a certain extent. That it's like no, 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 I need to make art. Yeah, yeah, I know you want a picture of your school play, but I want to make art. We talked about this a bit last week. Yeah. Um, but necessarily, we talked about it in different terms a bit last week, I think. Um, but there is an aspect to this where, to a certain extent, and sure, they probably enjoy it and they seem to be happily participating, but Brackage's kids particularly, and even to a certain extent his wife, 
are non-consenting subjects in his art right. too, right? Um, who at least cannot cannot give complete informed consent. Uh, and I don't think, you know, eventually Brackage and his first wife did separate, and I see nothing to indicate that it was she got tired of his shtick or something. Uh, it was just time for her to do, to spread her own artistic wings in a way that right. no longer aligned with what he was doing. Um, but still, the kids particularly. Well, I, I'm most are, concerned about the kids in, in this scenario yeah. because, like, this just falls into that very strange territory of like, well, mom and dad decided it's okay. So like, right, right, right. You're now going to be in a lot of fairly strange art projects. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's yeah. fine. It's just like, this one is like, just, it feels, it has the feel to me. And like, this is just my sort of internal mental reading. It's like, well, the kids, this thing happened with the kids and like, you decided that this would be good material and thus yeah. sort of here we are. Yeah. And, and that's so, just a, a kind of uncomfortable place to be. Yeah. So our next one chronologically is the last one that's kid heavy and it's perhaps the most kid heavy we've been out of any of the brackets we've seen, even including the more domestic stuff from last week. And that's duplicity three. It's Duplicity 3 because he had done a couple of films prior to this. He had done Duplicity 1 and 2 prior to this. And I don't know what the contents of Duplicity 1 and 2 are like. Right. But Duplicity 3 here uh, seems to be... The first scenes are pretty clearly Halloween. Yes, but then eventually yeah. we get some sort of school pageant. And yeah, I don't it's a, know. It I associate school pageantry. school fall pageant. It's probably Thanksgiving, yeah. maybe, but there's a lot of costumes that don't feel very Thanksgiving. Giving right, the boxy, the boxy space robots seems uh, don't, out of place. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, but maybe they're a, they're a metaphor for the pilgrims. Um, I, no I mean, it that. was like the but, '70s, right? So who the fuck knows? Yeah. So yeah, duplicity one uh, <laughs> seems to be a, was a, from '78. Duplicity yeah. two was from '78. And then Duplicity 3 is the one we end up watching, which is not until 1980. Um, right. Okay. We're, we're quite a bit further down the line. Uh, another, th- you know, which obviously again, we are I, not, yeah. Go ahead. We are not watching a complete set of Brackage's material as we go through this, yes. right? We are, and that's particularly interesting that we have made the choices we have made in putting together this not us i mean criterion um and the editors here have made the choices they have made to show us stuff from the middle of cycles right just pull plucked plucked out um but while while he is making these films called duplicity he is also making films uh called sincerity which i have to believe are related yes but we that, haven't seen any sense. of the sincerity stuffs right uh so sincerity is also its own cycle that that is lasting just as long as the duplicity but got started a little bit earlier than the duplicity it looks like the first sincerity one uh well sincerity two was in 75 sincerity one was in 73 
And we didn't, I don't believe we've seen any of the sincerity ones. I don't think we've. No, that's not familiar to me at all. Like, I've never, yeah. never heard that name uh, with regards to his uh, work. Well, it's my, my, I, I assume that uh, Brackett just, <laughs> I made fun of him the last one for possibly being a little bit childish. But this one is clearly like meant to also be kind of the child like there's a childish sort of like play on words here happening, right? Right, right. Like a really kind of like dad joke level of like well, I mean, there's two images on the screen the whole time. Okay. Like, well, y- yes. Uh well, I, I like I like that layer. No, yeah, stuff. it's fine. I don't so that, I, I dislike the idea. It's just it seems to me that like sort of like he shifted gears to like completely to being kind of like I'm going to make my point like explicit in this one. Yeah. Right, right. Despite it being called duplicity three. Uh it is more ideologically explicit, I think. Yeah. Um yeah. Brackett's showing me multiple frames at the same time. At least two, but sometimes seemingly three. It's possible more, that but maybe yeah, not. It's gonna be a little hard to tell. Uh, I I am as interested in that from Brackage as I am interested in the painted frames. Um, um, I'm actually more into this than I like. This is probably yeah. And we saw we've seen stuff like this a little bit, but this is the most sort of like heavily this. And I I this reminds me. Yeah. I forget which one it is last week, but the one that I, there was one I really liked last week with the color grading as well was really cool and stuff. Of the house, yeah. the inside of the house yes. where we just hung out in empty rooms a lot. This feels most akin to that, and I like it quite a bit. Right. Um, I think, I think that Halloween, uh, kids at Halloween, is perfect for all of Brackage's shtick. Yeah. The, no, the for layered sure. images, the painted frames. The I mean, everybody the, else the is heavy, already the heavy is color already, filtering. Yeah, it, it works well for the color and all of his style, and it yeah. also like works in the sense that like it's just so I want to say metaphorically easy, but like it kind of is, right? It like it just gets across. Halloween is such a revelatory time with regards to like the sort of nature of human beings and stuff. Um, Yes, it, Halloween is a is a great time of year to discuss the nature of people. Um, to me, the brackage stuff we've been watching with with Volume Two, with the heavy color filters, uh, the layered images, is all about using masks to portray a more truthful state. Yeah, and I think that Duplicity Three very overtly is doing that. Yes. Uh, wearing that on its sleeve, but is doing it so well. I really loved this one. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is, it's not necessarily my favorite because I've already kind of picked my favorite, (laughs) if if I'm being honest. But like, this is very, very good. This is, yeah. It it is, it also has a a speed, it it moves along and, and works at a speed that is, that is kind of perfect to me. It, like, a lot of his other work that we've been dealing with, feels too like the timing feels off to me like it's too fast so you're and he's kind of playing with the idea that you're like almost going to subconsciously absorb it but it also makes it feel like he's doing his work frantically which goes along with the way he describes his process anyway and that doesn't necessarily produce better 
art. Like, yeah, I I find the pacing in this one to be like perfect, and it yeah. reminds me of the pacing in the ones I liked from last week. It it, it is. I it's not too long. You're not spending too much time with any given subject, but you're spending long enough that like your brain can at least kind of register what it is, um, like yeah. what's going on. Um, not fully, but at least enough to like really start to to get a feel for what the thing is about. Um, the one exception to that would be the um, Psalm 23 branch. I think it was is that if I hope I got the words in the right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or maybe 23 Psalm. I don't remember the order of the words. 23rd Psalm branch, but yes. Um, that that one did it through repetition was able to convey its message despite the flashes being extremely fast and that sort of played into the message itself right like that one felt those flashes felt very intentional and like good right you he was only leaving giving you just enough time to, to sort of like almost you the image would pass and then your brain would register what the image was like after it was already gone uh which was a really good playing with with timing and everything uh, a lot of the ones we've watched since then that were frantic didn't feel that way. It felt like the franticness right. was more telling me more about Brackage than it was telling me about the art, the subject of art, like what he was trying to convey. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one, the pacing and some of these ones, the pacing is good. I can, I can, I feel like we, me and Brackage are on the same ride now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Other ones, I don't feel like Brackage and I are like actually in the same place. Right. Uh, whereas this one, you can you can feel what he's going for, and you can kind of engage with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, moving on. I had said that we're doing these chronologically, but actually, I had assumed they were chronologically. We're actually doing these in the. I am just uh, going through <laughs> criteria. They're not criterions, not in index. chronological order this time. And this one is in chronological order. So the next one on the list uh, yeah, on their index of this is the domain of the moment, which actually shot in 1977. So uh, before okay. this, before duplicity three, before uh, uh, burial path and uh, yeah. So burial path was 78. So this was just before burial path. Okay. Um, but domain of the moment, uh, 14 minutes long, 14 and a half minutes long on 16 millimeter um, silent, but that goes without saying, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's. Assume that's all norm. of these are silent until until there is I sound mentioned. I didn't even realize the speaker was off on my TV until yeah. I got to the brackage talking. I was like, "Oh shit, I can't." I yeah. didn't even bother well, to check. You didn't miss any sound this time, so I'm glad. Uh, brackage uses sound sparingly few times, but they do exist. I don't know that we'll have any sound. We, we have not so far. Time, we had one that had had sound, but had the sound removed. Right. Right, yeah, our our version of it did not. And then, honestly sound. speaking, I'm glad because the sound he described sounded like a nightmare. So right, right. Like, uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah I that don't was last know. Week. That does not sound good. But anyway, uh, the domain of the moment is uh, one where the title does lead us to yeah, helps us understand the path we need to be on. Helps us understand. Uh, this seems to be in index of all the brackage family pets uh yes yeah i yeah it, it it feels which 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 should have a given the nature of the other things on this set feels very morbid rather than um positive but yes the fact that it the fact that in the index 
and therefore the order I watch them in. This comes before. Uh, this comes between Duplicity Three and Murder Psalm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very ominous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I mean, uh, it, it, it. And and it's worth noting that this one has a lot of visual elements cut in between or inside of the footage of the pets that feel ominous. Right. Right. The um, and here, here we get. Uh, we get painted frames in this one. Yes. Of uh, seemingly leaf-like patterns, very organic plant Sometimes. patterns. Sometimes. There are some other things uh, he does. Um, yeah. I would argue that what Brackage is going for, and I might be wrong here, is to sort of try to visually convey the sort of natural state of those creatures. Um, right. They're like kind of engaging with the idea that, that all of these animals are fundamentally even the dog are fundamentally like wild creatures that we are, we are keeping right. as pets. And like, because so, the, 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 the sort of franticness of a lot of those painted images and the color choices seem revealing. Right. Some, some of them more wild in the way we're presented right. than others. Even. I, and like, I would but, say that it feels like, for example, the one for the snake is very sharp lines, very stabby, right. very aggressive. The one for like, and it seems to be what it seems to be engaging with is the idea of kind of to a certain extent what, what and how these creatures consume. The ones that yeah. the ones that cut in on, um, on, essentially herbivore type creatures tend to be more gentle than the ones that. Right. Uh, right. But but that's not yeah. even universal. Like it just seems that way right each each of the animals is shot differently yes. and shot in a way that might reflect how brackage feels they view the world right um or feels feels about them within the world right. uh like the chicken that we open up on is a young chicken and we're the camera's low to the ground we're seeing things from that right. sort of chicken point of view of of it running through the grass uh whereas the the stuff with like the dog and the raccoon are uh Further away, they're they're wider shots uh, at first when the raccoon's coming through the window. Right, probably. Uh, and I'm not even trying. I'm not even right. I'm not even entirely sure that that raccoon is not just a wild raccoon that. Crawled I through think their it window might wall. just be. I'm I yeah. I'm kind of convinced that he just decided to leave the window open and see what would happen and record it. Yeah, I mean there is the. The raccoons are start eating kibble, but it might be the dog's kibble. So I really think have that's no idea. my my working theory is that is exactly what's happening. The brackage yeah. is essentially conducting a sort of science experiment. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> An ill-advised raccoon one coming at best. The raccoon coming through the window does, of course, set me off a little bit because, as I was telling Pat before we recorded, I've got a problem with a raccoon at my house right now that is living in my porch and trying to claw its way through my window every night. At some point, uh, the raccoon will become Adam's landlord. Yeah, yeah. It already owns the house. I mean, common law. It's an official tenant, at least. Um, yeah, we're going to have to... Like, but, the, 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 he's going to have to take the the raccoon to fucking eviction court. I tweeted about this, but my landlord's idea for dealing with a raccoon was to put poison inside the roof of the porch Uh. And leave us a trash bag so that we could pick up the corpse once the poison worked, uh, which is I, insane. That yeah, is not. No, thank you. No. Not happening. Yes. Uh, but but uh, uh, but also the raccoons. Raccoons are not dumb animals. No. Yeah. So so the next morning we came out and the poison was just 
on the ground. Like they've thrown it out of their home. Right, uh, which is hilarious. It is it yeah. is the best case scenario, really. Right. But uh, now I think the raccoon thinks I put the poison out and it's vindictive. Uh, I think it's keeping me up at night on purpose now. So, Yeah, it's like, well, you ruined my house. I want to ruin your house. Being, being slowly driven insane because I can't sleep because a raccoon is trying to get into my bedroom. Uh, and now, hopefully someday it's not like uh, Grey Gardens where the raccoons are just eating the entire... Uh, <laughs> Eating down from the attic, and there's a fire. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but I mean, you know, you can just. I mean, the other option is is that you make friends with the the raccoon. I would like to make friends with the. I need to make peace with the raccoon. Try the. Uh, uh, I don't need it to be my friend. I just need it to not be my enemy. Well, then I'd have to buy a dog. There's a um, there is a there is a there's a binary here, Adam. It's only it's either your friend or your enemy. There's no other. There's no in between here. Oh, there's got to be. An you don't know the way of the raccoon. You need to you need Apparently. to learn better. Apparently not. Study its ways. Creepy little hands. Yep. You uh, should start washing shit and just see if it can, if you and it can like maybe. bond over that. That's right. I can put out I can put out some little finger bowls for it. Uh, <laughs> there is a section where we're looking at the dog and then the raccoon where. The flashing frames start, but they start in a way that almost more so than any other one we've had, they seem to be counting down to cuts. Yeah. Like, like it'll be a little red, a little blue, and then it'll get faster, and then we'll get a different view of the dogs. Right. Or of the dog. This one is, like, one of the ones that I find more endearing, sort of. Like it just feels. Oh, yeah. It's endearing because it's cute. It's right. I mean, yeah. it's got a lot. I mean, like it has some some violence to it. Uh, it does yeah. fit the theme of this section, but it also is just feels. You know, it, it just it it's kind of playing with the idea of mixing that like sort of cuteness with sort of the violence that's inherent to them being what with being animals and all. Moving on to the most overtly violent one out of the set then uh murder My psalm 1980 least favorite one we've watched period yeah 16 and a half minutes long 16 millimeter uh almost seemingly i i can't say for certain for all of it but seemingly all uh stock footage i will say i think the little girl in like the hood wandering through the woods is probably bracket shot but possibly not. And other than that, everything else seems to be stock footage to me. Yeah. Um, we start off with uh, with just the frames, and they seem to be acid-burned frames, like the bubbling celluloid. Um, and then that ball floating in the birdbath, which becomes eventually a metaphor for nuclear bomb. Um, right. <laughs> um, uh yeah, I mean it, it. It it is overt in its in its message. Um, yeah, it's just like you know it, it is. It might be too much. <laughs> yeah, well, Brackage in talking about this one says uh, he shot it. He did it in three days. It feels it. Uh, and that he did it in almost a trance state. Um, I think he talks about he says, a lot. Not like he talks about his work as though he does most of his work in a trance state, right, which was right. an interesting that revealing make, uh, element. Yeah, that 
I mean, it 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 makes sense, but um, he he says in in the bonus material that is specifically him talking about this one. Yes, he says the only thing I am to be credited for in this film is that I had the strength to make it. Um, and he says that it was inspired by and triggered by a nightmare he had in which he murdered his mother with an axe. Uh, I, okay. But we need to add, there's more we need to add. Yes. Because Brackage feels a need to add details, which seem to me to be very indicative. Okay. Because I've come to understand that Brackage, alas, means what he says. Yeah, and and says things that yes I find no. right and on the edge we'll, of like being we'll, like upsetting. I um, go ahead. In getting into the interview with Marilyn Mason, which I think you're you're about to get into stuff. I I by will, that. but also the, even the short yeah. interview about this one that he does. He at, does. The, the he does. Yeah, he does again. Quote pound here. I think too. Um. Ezra Pound to talk about the artist being the antenna of the race. Uh, I think when Brackage says the race in in that sentence, or the artist is the litmus for the race, I think Brackage is talking about the human race writ oh, large. Absolutely, he is. Whereas, he even says whereas, at one point he even says the human race, but that's yeah, problematic whereas, in and of itself. Yeah, Pound is particularly talking about the races, right? Uh, and, and subdivisions of people. And Pound is uh, engaging with a thing that Brackage <laughs> is willing to engage with multiple times, which is the idea that there is degenerate art. Right, right, right. And right, I right. find that deeply upsetting. Like, already, I'm every time I learn more about Brackage through Brackage opening his mouth, I like him less. Yes. Uh, and again, the re- uh, Okay. I don't know that I can say Brackage means what he's saying because I think, and I think this is probably one reason why Brackage's films are purely visual. I think that Brackage means what he says, but uses words in ways that are not the intention of what he's quoting when he quotes. And he uses words in ways that are not, uh, that if he were asked to explain himself and he could manage to explain himself, our initial uh, interpretation of what he's saying would be changed. I agree. He uh, he corrects himself multiple times in every interview. It, it, right. It I, that's not exactly what I'm going for. Okay. Is I what I mean is that Brackage buys the shit he sells. Okay. Brackage <laughs> is honestly, as my hear Brackage talk more, I find Brackage more insufferable as an as a as a person talking about art. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and one of the things, and the, one of the things I, I find is I find what's more revealing is not the, the, the whole sort of what he says. It's the little details he adds that are asides that I think are very telling. Brackage had a nightmare about murdering his mother. Brackage okay. feels a need to tell us that as it turns out, she was his adoptive mother. 
which feels very telling about Brackage's understanding of family and relationship, and as though somehow he is excusing his nightmare, which doesn't need to be excused, just a nightmare, but he feels right. guilt over it, and he seems to be assaging himself with the idea that, well, it turns out she was just my adoptive mother, but she was the but only one. Nice. She was the woman who... Ra- and he goes through, he goes through a, a strange mental internal cycle where he has to both justify why he would have a nightmare about murdering his mother, that she's adoptive, but also that, like, well, that's what a mother is. And, and it's a weird process to go through, as though, like, Brackage has never dealt with this internal logic prior to having a conversation about it on screen, which is kind right. of itself upsetting. The Brackage, yes. like, made this art piece but also never internalized or dealt with any of the things that the art piece is dealing with. Like his translate state doesn't include any sort of self introspection or like, or like dealing with his own self. And I think that's true. Brackage points the camera always away from himself entirely. I think Brat, what I'm coming to understand is that Brackage seems to operate in a state of fear of actually coming to reconcile with anything with his art. Right. Brackage well, does okay. not, and he even sort of talks about this idea, that he doesn't like art as being, he talks about in another thing, one of those audio podcast type thing, about the idea of art being the only true place where one can like put the true self on display. Yes. But like he doesn't. Brackage's right. true self is never on display as a part of his art. Yeah. Okay. So first off, one little pushback. Okay. Uh, because I don't want to get letters. Um, we have seen in the portion of Dog Star Man that we watched for Volume One, we saw Brackage in front of the camera. Brackage stars as the man in Dog Star. I Man. I understand that Dog Star Man, but one uh, of that's very mild. large that is, number of videos. That is very mild. Um, what what Brackage says about art is that uh, that art is the only place the private self right. can be put on uh, on display in the public view. Um, and he talks a little bit about how that means that eventually only Hollywood will be, you know, Hollywood stars will be the only people allowed to make art. I mean, it's also um, worth noting that I don't agree with Bra- almost anything Brackett says about art, pr- yeah, pretty much right. writ large, okay? But, but I think I think there is a healthier way to interpret what Brackett is saying there. Uh but the way Brackage has actually seemingly internalized that message is with something like this, where he has taken all of that private self and put it into this film in a fugue state. Uh, and certainly not actually in a fugue state, but right. Um, but right. Well, yeah, I mean, his description yeah. of a trance, like he's certainly not in a trance, okay? Like, right. that's not what's happening. Um, but but he's put he has put the entirety of the private self as a way of excising these feelings from him so that he does not have to deal with the feelings. Right, and right. I don't know and, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to uh psych- <laughs> psychologize brackage here. I will say that is explicitly what I think is happening with Murder Psalm. 
Yeah, I don't I, know I that's agree. what's happening in other instances, but that is specifically what is happening. Right, in and 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 it's and you know the thing about it is is that we kind of get into this, like, well, we we don't want to psychologize him, and I and I get that, and I don't want to really either. But like, Brackage opens that door constantly. Yeah. Like he's he talks about art in a way that invites us to do stuff like that as as audience right, members. Right. Like and and so like we're kind of, you know, especially when you make the kind of art that Brackage makes, we have to do a lot of like guesswork about who he is as a person to even start to understand his art. Right. And certainly certainly how how we view art, visual art particularly, but but you know, songs, poems, absolutely. Um gives us an idea of who the artist is uh, that is in our experience often at odds with who the artist says they are. Right. Right. And that is, that is very explicitly that they have put, they have put a private self onto screen that even they are not consciously aware is their right. 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 And I think we are experiencing that. I mean, like you, you're talking about it, with this in this particular case with birth brackage, maybe yeah. almost sort of more purposely doing it to like not have to deal with it. Um, right. Which is definitely possible. I, I agree. Um, it's just interesting that like, it, it is interesting to consider whether or not brackage is aware of like who brackage is, especially in, yeah. in this particular one. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I, I think brackage okay. brackage is more self-aware than, Anyone we've had this conversation about, certainly. Right? Uh, yeah, um, although I don't know. I I, I, I am I not every, sure Okay, of every, every other film director we've talked about who, who we've talked about how self-aware they are either claims to be self, more self-aware than they are or uh, just produces art that clearly they are not self-aware. Right. right. Um, I mean, Brackage is in a weird sort of – Stra- is in a strange space um and and what bothers me is that is that it feels often when i listen to brackage talk that brackage has decided to wrap a blanket of what i would i think of kind of in my head as sort of term of art bullshit around himself like he he seems to wear it like a blanket um in all the interviews we've had so far he you can even see it in actually his demeanor the way he sits when he talks to people in most of the clips he's got this very he's leaning really far back the man looks like he's about to fall out of his chair at all times um except for in the one where he's doing the interview where he feels i think probably to a certain extent safer uh, because yeah. he clearly is in, for lack of a better term, in cahoots with the interviewer. <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, it it, it borders on feeling staged. Um, in the sense that like he knows what the questions will be before they before they're given to him. Um, right. And and he he is, I don't know. He he throw throws around ideas and and um sort of terms of art and things in a way that feels to me and this is my interpretation and i have a particularly distaste for people who do this kind of stuff because i have been in the past a person who does stuff like this is very um that feels very immature 
to me because it, it a lot of like a very obviously a very intelligent person but a person who doesn't seem to necessarily engage with the questions in like full good faith yeah he seems to want to like people are obviously asking him very straightforward questions that he answers in very not straightforward ways um and 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 to a certain extent feels like he is is doing that thing where you're just like well if i just keep sort of like naming things and and sort of like piling on the names of of important art and like the way i feel about it but like even then like i don't know he just doesn't seem to give answers and maybe he doesn't have any maybe he, that's part of what his point is he doesn't he can't really give answers cuz that's just not the nature of his art and what he's doing and that's fine but it's not he's not very straightforward about that either um i don't know i i have grown to dislike listening to brackage talk <laughs> and i especially have grown to dislike talk listening to brackage talk when i discover that brackage seems to be relatively uncritical of fascist artists the, the way he even, I understand he recognizes it. The descriptions of Ezra Pound's beliefs feel very uh, lack, lacking. <laughs> it's, okay, yes, he does not thoroughly articulate exactly what he's saying when he actually comp- is critiquing Pound's beliefs. He talks about Pound having bad economic beliefs. And Pound's economic beliefs were an embracing of C.H. Douglas's social credit theory, which is um, uh, a lot of people were into it for a time. Uh, Chesterton, Tolkien, and C.S. Lewis all all praised it in at times. Uh, it's sort of a it's sort of a state capitalism where the idea was direct cash infusions either directly to consumers or to producers under the understanding that the producers would pass on those savings to the consumers. Uh, so as a, a direct means of fighting inflation by giving cash to poor people or to business owners who were serving those poor people, um, which obviously are, are two very different things. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Well, in um, his later support for Mussolini and being a right fascist and a racist implies that we know which of those two Ezra Pound favored. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, even even Douglas himself eventually uh, comes out with full embracing of uh, this third way economic reform needing to happen because of an international Jewish conspiracy. Uh, And when Brackage talks about Pound being anti-Semitic, it is not just the embracing of this economic view that is ultimately anti-Semitic. It is also Pound has his own anti-Semitism problems. Right, and my my thought, and, and I think this comes down to the way that Brackage talks in general, is this sort of evasiveness to not just name, like, call a spade a spade yeah. in, in any in any environment. He doesn't do it for anything. 
his own work, anything he, else. He tends to say things like had bad ideas about race and stuff. It, like right, right. You can just say was a racist. It ta- I think he eventually yeah. says that. Like as that conversation progresses, he eventually sort of gets there. He does explicitly say anti-Semitism at some point. I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it yeah. it is. It takes a long time for something that is very very simple. <laughs> it's a very simple idea to understand. Um, and it's interesting because, but they're both still really willing to give, to to engage with the ideas of with Ezra Pound's idea there, with the the antenna right. of 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 the race, or in, in this situation would be society or something like that. If you right. want to be right. not totally fascist about it, but bear in yes. mind that that still is a very tinge with fascism sort of idea. About because it, it is talking about an idea that like art as an indicator of whether or not your society is generating or not, right. um, and 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 like she just the the interviewer straight up just asked about the idea that art is is degenerate now it doesn't there is no real art anymore there's no good art it's I think I want to take a step back there to also contextualize this in time okay sure Marilyn Mason is a film critic. Okay. And this interview is taking place in 1990. Okay. So I do think that, or at least I hope, I don't know, but I hope that when Marilyn Mason says we are in a time of degeneracy, she is referencing the fact that we are in Reagan America and not something else. Right. Uh, okay. And I get that. I We can hope. Like, that's fine. But... But the flip side is that Reaganites are the people who use those terms. Right. And they weren't talking about Reagan America. They were talking about uh, the AIDS crisis. Right. Or, and it, it's uh, also worth noting, I take extreme, personally, just mentally, extreme affront to the idea that there is, like, degenerate art. Right? And if right. you're talking about whether art is an indicator, like, of the, the, the path of society, and you're saying even if even if you are a liberal who thinks that like Reagan is bad, which granted, obviously, but like I'm not trying to defend Reagan here right now. I just want to be very clear. Right. My point is is that like there there is an implication there that you have condemned art. Oh, like good art isn't made anymore. Yeah. And 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 that that weird thing goes back and forth, right? It goes both ways, right? Like. If you believe that the art is bad, well, okay, society's collapsing. Or if you believe society's collapsing, well, all this art is bad. And like right. and that that is a fundamental flaw problem and like why it's fascist a fascist idea to think of like art as a sort of antenna for the curve of society towards degeneracy. Right. Like it is always going to be a fascist idea. Because there's an implication that like that like there's such a thing as good or bad art. Yeah. Like in, in a, in, in, and that there is such a thing as like, ah, there, there's just, there, you can't escape the idea. You cannot separate the idea of degenerative art from Nazi rhetoric. It's impossible. You can't do it because they, they're like the same, they're the same animal. And so like, you can't intellectually engage with that as like a real idea. It's the it's it's yeah. the this is now a Nazi bar phenomenon, right? Like you've let right, one right, in, right. you now have a Nazi bar. Like hello and welcome. 
and it's the same problem. It's like you cannot engage with any fascist or Nazi idea in good faith without inviting the wrong ones in, right? It, because they're, they're, they're too all interlinked. It all goes together. And I, I that's what sort of bothered me about the interview. And then later on when he's doing the audio interview, uh, I guess before a showing, is that he is in good faith engaging with the idea of art as an antenna that shows the curve of society. And it's a curve that you always have to ask the question, the curve of society towards what? There's another way. There are other famous quotes by other people who talk about it in non-fascist ways, where they talk about yeah. art being a, a, a sort of guidestone that tells you, like, where society is headed in terms of, like, cultural norms and, like, what's... Because art does tend to be out ahead. And so, okay, well, this thing that is going to be acceptable in 10... You, you can do that part without being... But, like, specifically using Ezra Pound's ideas is is dangerous and i don't it does not the way that he talks about it implies that i think that brackage sees some of the art that is a meme made around him as bad art not like bad as in like oh this is like i don't care for this or i don't think this is very well done like but like Bad as in, like, indicative of a failing of society. That the art itself indicates a failure of society. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of talk about collapse, and it's, it's... The interviews are not encouraging to me with yeah. regards to how he sees other artists' work. I... <laughs> It's possible that his main goal is to talk about the com- like commodification and commercialization of art because he does bring right. up Hollywood and that's cool. Like yeah, I get what you're saying. But there. he's but he's not he's not making that explicit. He's not making that explicit right. and it's worth noting and that that's like a problem. garbage corporate art is still made by artists who are doing art. Right. Like yeah, it I, yeah, it is ba- it, it has bad undertones to it because of the way it's getting made and the in the infiltration of capitalism into the art making process which is guaranteed uh yeah. but like you can't judge the artist for that that's not yeah. a fair thing to do that's like judging the that, that's that comic about like i see you live in a society huh like so does the artist the artist has yeah. responsibilities given, to like feed themselves given that the interview with mason takes place in 1990 we don't have a date on the t- the uh, university lecture, which is part of Tufts University's or Tufts University's uh, Beckwith lectures. We don't have a date on right. that, but that's the other point where he, he talks about Pound. And there's, uh, and there's no that, critical analysis of Pound in that yeah. at all. I think I think probably what happened in in his life is that he always had that tough, uh, he always had that Pound quote as the back burner, he experienced when it was young. It meant something to me that is not what Pound meant by it. Right. But it meant something bigger to to Brackage. And probably sometime in the 70s, uh, or, or in the 80s, rather, because the, the Beckwith lecture started in 78. They're annual still. We have no idea when he gave this. But right. I bet it was sometime in the 80s. Uh, he gave that lecture. And 
in that time frame, maybe as a response to the lecture, maybe not, someone said, hey, have you ever read a little more about Ezra right. Pound? Have you ever heard anything other than the quote? <laughs> yeah. And, and by 1990, he's got to rectify how important that quote was to him in his understanding of it with who Ezra Pound was as a person and what Ezra Pound meant by that quote. And that's where we get what we get from right. and, the Mason Right, and interview. what I, what I'm kind of, I get it. And I, I, that's generally my thought process on that too. My problem yeah. is, is that I don't think that, I don't think that Brackage has fully. Oh, no. He's, he's, he hasn't he's really not still fully dealt with that quote sufficiently, yeah. mentally even. Right. Not just in his words, but like, yeah. You know, to some mild degree, that quote resonates with him because I do believe that Brackage does look down on the art made by others that he sees as lesser art. Yeah. Um, I, I, can't, I, I think... can't get away from that because he also just the way he talks about art, the way he ta- there is a sort of arrogance to the way he talks combined with like just the like the little things he says like in the in that lecture that that predated probably predated this interview and even in this interview there's still an implication that art can be degenerate in the yes. way he talks I, about it yeah and i i'm i what i'm about to say is not as a counterpoint uh but i think that brackish has a very particular thing he does and the act of choosing to do a particular thing implicitly says that all the things you didn't choose were lesser to you, right? Um, so I think it's, it's, in part, it is impossible for Brackage to talk about his art as good art without at least implying that anything that isn't what he's doing right yeah is not good. i mean but lots of artists uh, do it all the time right like that's right, the thing right, right. other artists are capable of doing yes. pretty easily right like right. it is and so maybe it's like i don't know it's it, it, it's a fine line between like i don't care for other artists like the way they conduct their business and like i think it's degenerate that's a fine line. he may be very much in the first camp and not the second camp uh, right. But he's bad at expressing it, like very right, bad. Right. At expressing and because he's it. because he's bad at expressing it with it, we can get bogged down in trying to figure out what he means by it. Because on its surface, and what he says is not good. Uh, no, and and and, and even yeah. if we're, if we're going to give him all the benefit of the doubts and stuff, I really don't want to hear Dracage's ideas on things anymore. I'm right, very right, tired right, of right, hearing right. this man speak. I'm fine with looking at his art a lot of times. I'm not super fine with the last one with or with um um I for, I've lost the name of a murder psalm. I yeah. I I look down on this art. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, the funny thing is, is minus the corpses. I don't mind much else about this piece of work. I I thought I really enjoyed Murder Song. I do I too. It was all put together very well. The corpses, and I think, yeah, obviously, okay, yes, the corpses are. I did say when we started talking about Murder Song that it was all stock footage, and obviously, the corpses themselves are are stuff from previous Brackage work, right? They are right. from the act of seeing with one's eyes, uh, and. Maybe he's got other stuff that was released with that too, but um, 
I think I am very interested in in Murder Psalm as a collage. Yeah. As as using pre-existing material. Which is a, uh, which is a to, kind of art I find really engaging. Yeah. I like a lot. To say something transformative about the nature of violence in society. And uh, I I am less impressed with Murder Psalm knowing that it is Braggage trying to excise the demon of right. a nightmare yeah. he had. Yes. I was better off uh, not knowing that in terms of like I was better off not knowing that. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean this this kind of art is generally in my wheelhouse. Okay. Yeah. Like I mean, we talked about this with the Goddard film that I that is like my favorite of his films now. I it, it I like video collage. I think it is, and especially when somebody's yeah. being transformative with it and playing with it in really unique and interesting ways. I liked a lot about this movie, and then every so often it did like kind of a crime to me. Uh, right. which has really turned me off of a thing that I liked otherwise. And I can't even safely sort of flip through the video um, and very it's, easily. It's, it's interesting there are parts of it that I think do really work. Yeah, uh, I agree. Our establishment of stock footage with, with plastic brains flipping to the real image of the human brain in someone's hands. I think that works. Yeah, the, um, and the human brain in a person's hand, no problem. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, yeah. The the open skull was, is, I is think, the, the for me. I, I remember in talking about the art of seeing with one, one's eyes, the uh, the image that really, really uh, I had the most visceral reaction to was the uh, uh, was the removal of yeah that that whole that there's the, there the are several cap. scenes that are yeah. extremely harsh and the thing about yeah. seeing with one's eyes, if memory serves, is as we talked about earlier, is I was better prepared. It's fully contextualized what it is. You right. know what you're and getting. And here, you're just like, you're watching in. almost entirely stock footage made into a video and collage. Then suddenly and then suddenly that's there. And some real wild-ass shit got, on you. And you're like, I don't, our, I'm not here for this. We've got a cartoon fox cop getting hit by cars. Yeah. Uh, and then and then we've got an empty skull cavity. Yeah. It's, uh, it's too much. Like, I can't. It's, I don't like yeah. the image. I don't like dealing with it in my head. It's in my head in a way that I it, it was never previously in there, despite having yeah, seen it yeah. before. Um, right. I because it, it felt very yeah. The art seeing it with one's eyes was much much more clinical in, in a lot of ways, and, and yeah. just better better prepared you. And and so my my problem is like everything else about this I like. I think it's neat. I think I like 23rd Psalm Branch better in terms of like yeah. films that are dealing with these same kinds of ideas from Brackage. I don't know why. I just do. Uh this is just that you now we get into the fact that this is art and I can't really fully unless I watch both of them like 30 times exactly tell you why. Um right. it could just be the bad taste in my mouth. Um but it's also worth noting this. He's doing a lot more stuff in this one. He's doing a lot more image manipul, a lot more manipulation. He's even playing with like, he's even moved entirely, not entire. He has adopted new techniques that include things that I'm really into. He's he's messing with like, now we're not just manipulating film stock, but we're also vi- manipulating signals and then using the footage of those signals as part of of your art. Like there's static mm-hmm. shots in here, which right. which film doesn't make. There, somebody's recording a TV at this point. 
Right. Uh, which is yeah. which is neat. It's all very neat. Like, and he's playing, and he's using the fact that like, that probably it's probably a very old TV. He can tune between multiple stations at the same time and kind of get right. both of them on right. the screen at the same time. He's doing very sort of sort of signal bending to a certain extent, which is all very neat. He's doing a lot of very cool stuff with it in this one. Um, it's just you know, yeah. it's got surprise packages in it, and they accelerate towards the end. There's more of them as you get closer to the end. To make the end right. kind of hard to deal with. Now, mind you, that's a story, right? Like we're progressing a, a sort of narrative there. Yeah, the violence is accelerating and and and, and uh, becoming more extreme, but also hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, so the interview with Mason ends, or toward the end, at least, they start talking about um, Brackage's current state of art. He says explicitly here that he's no longer photographing his life um, because he's already done all that. So he's moving on to to less autobiographical stuff like what we saw a lot of last week and a little bit of this week. Um, not that he's ashamed of doing it in this past. He says, I did it and I did it as well as I could. And now he wants to do something else. Um, and they start talking about light and he starts talking about his, this is where he seems to take offense to being, to having his films called abstract films because he starts talking about them as visual music. And we talked previously about them as visual poetry and that's a little bit different. And we, we've also uh, talked talk about, about them as visual, visual music. music. We, we have yeah. said those, those words have come out of our yeah. mouths. Right, right. But I, I um, tend to view poetry and music very similarly. So yeah. I th yeah, I don't fault you for that. I think that's that's fine. Um, well, they also talk about the use of light, and that gets us into the final film of the set, which is Arabic 12. And it is Arabic 12 because it is number 12 in a very long series, uh, the Arab Arabic numeral series, uh was uh, stuff he made through nineteen through the eighties through the early eighties, and I believe there were twenty of them. Okay, all told, and we we just see number twelve here. Um, there. This one particularly is very much light. It is, uh, it is akin to the painted frames, but it is not actually painted frames. It is just playing with light in the frame, right? Right. Uh, flashing lights being shown directly at the camera, uh, sometimes with discolored coronas, sometimes with... Uh, almost disco ballish coronas sometimes uh, seemingly just flashlights moving through the frame and uh, some tinged red like they're shots through eyelids uh, it's brackage playing with light in the same way that brackage plays with light in the painted films right yeah but he's not doing the painted frames right I mean one. he is and and in that sense right he is getting much he, we're watching the sort of when he talks about moving away from 
autobiographical stuff, what he what he is saying, despite not liking it, is he's moving into a purely abstract phase, right? And we the, right. we are dealing with a purely abstract phase here. We can't we cannot derive we as the audience cannot derive literal meaning from this artwork. Right. Like we 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 and and it's even named in such a way as to remove our ability to gather any sort of 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 meaning, right? Like right. naming something Arabic 12 does not help us with any sort of guidance, right? We're not meant to derive any sort of literal meaning from it. It's got to all be sort of emotional content and like sort of what you bring into it and things like that, which is great, right. but that's also what abstract art is. <laughs> like, I don't know. How to, um, yeah, and it, 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 this is interesting. I mean, I found this one, I this is not my favorite of his playing with those kinds of ideas just right. because this one was by far visually the least engaging for me just because it, it is it is a lot of it has its high moments. It's very interesting moments, but it also has a lot of very low moments where there's not we're like, okay, I, found I it, don't I don't know what I'm supposed to yeah. do here. I found it really hard to engage with this one. Yeah. And I don't know if I was just burnt out from Might the rest been. of this. This is also the first one package. I watched though, so Yeah. Yeah. I did watch it last and I find it I found it very hard to to engage with. Um and I did, you know, I took breaks between films. I didn't yeah. just watch all of these back to back, right? Uh, but but I, this one, this one suffered. I would say that by uh, in a strange, not strange, uh, in an interesting sort of contrast, Brackage's work as it becomes more abstract suffers more from not having any sort of sound, right? It suffers more from not. From Brackage not creating some sort of like appropriate soundtrack to go with it, because, and I get why he doesn't. I understand his reasoning, and I even agree in the in, in a sort of conceptual sense that like, if he's trying to remove any sort of sense of context from it, you know, which he apparently seems to be doing, trying to make it pure like music, right? Then then right. adding music would be adding context back in, and would be making it would be. Now letting the audience know what feelings it's supposed to have because that's how we react to music, right? Right. We as as people are very very good at at understanding the feelings that music is trying to tell us. It's like super easy, like you know what I mean. Like you might get it a little bit off, like from what the what the artist was thinking, but like human beings have extremely emotional extreme emotional reactions to music. People don't have the same necessarily extreme emotional reactions to abstract visuals. Yeah, um, and 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 I think that I get what Brackage is trying to go for, but I also think that Brackage is trying to accomplish a thing that might actually be impossible. Human when... beings don't think, don't understand, and 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 process visual art and auditory art in the same way. Right. And uh, and when humans, in my experience at least, do have a reaction to abstract visuals in that way, it is being paired with music. Or, right? or, or something to allow you to start generating emotional content from it. Maybe right. somebody tells you a story. 
that goes along right. with when they were painting the the, the painting, or yeah. you know, you get that or little maybe, blurb that tells you some information about the right. artist at the time, even, and now suddenly you understand the pain of the artist or the joy of the artist in the work. Right, or even if that little blurb is just a four-word title, anything, it's still yeah. something. But 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 Brackage wants to decontextualize his visual art the same way that we can deal with audio audio art decontextualized. Yeah, yeah, but even even abstract audio art. Okay, you you are correct. That is that is, is true. Abstract audio <laughs> inherently art is, is, has a context to it. This, this right? is true. You are you are right. And also, yeah. I'm not being entirely fair <laughs> to the ab, to the audio artists instead of Brackage. Yeah. Truly abstract audio art is also borderline incomprehensible without context. Right, but the nature of it is its own context. Right. Yes. I don't know. I I, I, my, I I will say that that I I enjoy truly abstract audio art when I am seeing it performed, not when right, I am listening but that's, to that's it. That's a very important because difference. that is yes. a context. Yes, that is a very right. important difference. I completely agree with you there. If yeah. I were to put on truly abstract art as just like as just as sort of quote unquote music, yeah. Then, and that's also important to understand is that 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 Brackage he probably doesn't mean this. He says music, right? Yeah. And music, by its nature, has a sort of built-in temporal content that, like, mm-hmm. that by its nature, we when you listen to music, not abstract audio art, yeah, but music. It resonates extremely strongly emotionally with people without any con without with almost no context, right? Because of beats and things like that, the way the human brain processes that, we we really faster beats, more excitement, more energy, slower beats, less fucking minor pitches do weird things to our brains too. There's a lot of shit going on, right? right. And and abstract audio art does not do the same thing. Because it, it lacks some of the, the some of the things that, that, that cue us that are contextual inside the art itself, inside the music itself, that tell us what to feel. Um so Brackage, if Brackage is being trying to be akin to truly abstract audio art, he's in same well, roughly the same ballpark, which is like, well, I'm gonna need some information here to be able to derive something from right. this. To the point where I think he is trying to be more akin to maybe avant garde music, but not Right. Abstract. Yeah, um, I would agree. I think that that is his yeah. goal, and I because because again, he's dealing with t- over time, and 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 he seems to have beats in it and stuff. Right. But he, what he's having running up against, at least for us, and maybe you and I are broken people, and other people do, is that beats and and that sort of stuff in visual art are a little less easily processed by our our shitty monkey brains than the than the audio. Like, right, right, which right. is we it, it takes more. We we it is it is it's noticeable. Like whenever you whenever you see one of those viral posts about like somebody took added in or removed the sound from something, it like there's a reason why it strikes us so hard, right? Like, right. oh, I took the soundtrack out of this movie. Is it still dramatic? Turns out, not kind of no, right? Or I I took you know I took the X out, I took the laugh track out, and now it's not funny. I added X in, I I changed the soundtrack, and now this is funny instead of scary. Sound means a lot to right us, uh, you know. Of course, there are exceptions, and 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 the world is a very diverse place, and 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 for some people, this may not be the case, 
But right, right. and there there are certainly people in the world who have never heard a sound. Absolutely. Uh, Which is why still, I don't want to be universal. Have a full experience. Like Absolutely. Yes. But what I will say is that Brackage is running for us, you and me, Brackage is running into a bit of a hurdle, which is is something like this is very hard to engage with. Right. And and for me to walk away with any sort of I Brackage, some of Brackage's work, especially the words we've been watching up until now, I've I've actually gotten a lot of emotional content out of. And then sometimes I watch one where like I feel like I'm sitting in some sort of um like um what sound like deprivation chamber or something. Like I don't feel any different when I stop as when I started, except for maybe a little more tired. And unfortunately, this is one of those for me because it's 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 not even got the sort of content that the that the paintings do because I can engage with the visuals of the painting very deeply. This one I was kind of just bored, which is mean and sad to say. Yeah, but I was, and I'm not gonna lie about it. I didn't watch it when I was tired or anything like that. I made right. I made sure with Brackage that I'm always like wide awake. It's the middle of the fucking day. It's, I don't know. I mean, yeah, some yeah. of the light play is cool. I'd be, I'd be interested in seeing any of the eighteen other. Eric yeah, Manuel. I wonder uh, if they're all similar or if there's like a sort of arc across them as a whole, which would be very yeah. neat to know, right? Like if they're all only like seventeen yeah. minutes or whatever, all twenty is right. not. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not like. I mean, was what is his intention for the way you view these? A thing we've talked about right. before. I never have gotten a grasp of that. I cannot tell right. you how Brackage would like you to watch his his films. Clearly, he shows them from time to time at universities and stuff because we have lectures right. of him talking to those those same students. Um, but I don't know what his preferred method is. Like, Am I supposed to watch all 20 Psalms? Am I, is each one its own individual work of art that I can engage with independently? Obviously, because the person who in theory knew him best arranged it in such a way that we got one of these right, right. from the middle, and that's all we got. Right. So obviously it can stand alone, at least as far as, as somebody who in theory knows a lot about how he would like it watched has chosen to do. But one starts to wonder if mainly the reason we're watching is this because the visuals on this are kind of are are interesting. They're like cool yeah. to look at, and like they are. They are. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna say they're not. It's just like I sometimes feel out to sea with Brackage's work, where I'm like, well, I don't have anything to hold on to here. I don't know. I'm I'm adrift. I don't. I got nowhere yeah. to hang my hat, and I don't. And so, like, oh, I'm going to talk about this thing where I was, like, kind of drifting. Yeah. yeah. And this is one. Yeah. Out of out of everything, really out of everything we watched in Volume 2 so far. Yes. This is yeah. one where. This is the only where, one I feel this way about. Period. Yeah. The furthest from shore. Yeah. Well, uh, who knows what we might experience <laughs> as we continue through the second half of Brackage Volume 2. Uh, Could be anything. Could be so many things. Yes. <laughs> I suspect we're headed into a more abstract phase, though, obviously. so. Yeah, yeah. If the, tra- the trajectory he is on, um, we will be watching, with Program 4, we'll be watching stuff from 1989 and 1990. And 
and that is it is the smallest window of of any of the eras of brackets yeah. that the programs have are dividing into. Um So yeah, uh who knows? Uh <laughs> it uh brackage is almost always interesting to me. So I am interested in experiencing what the rest of the set has to offer. Uh he is certainly much more highs than lows through what we've explored with Brackage so far. Uh, and halfway through, I do not regret taking all the time. No, I don't either. To go through. Brackage. I was thinking about this when I was like, I was like taking a shower or something today when I was thinking, I, I do a lot of processing Brackage in the shower as it turns out. Um, that makes but, sense. But I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know, I, I, I'm happy with our decision. What it does feel like to me sometimes is like we went th- from sprinting through the Louvre or, or in this situation, MoMA. Yeah. And now we're being held hostage in MoMA for a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a weird fine line, right? Where it's like, well, last time was clearly way, way too fast. I don't think this time is too slow. I just think there's too much. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to blame them for putting this much on there. You want to, it clearly seems to want to cover his, a span of his life and like give us a sort of progression of the artist and all that. Totally understandable. But it's a lot of brackage. In the end, yeah. it's not so much the speed at this point, it's just sort of the uh, the quantity, right? It's like, it's a lot to engage with, right? And, and the process, even now, even at an hour, essentially an hour, hour and a half a week, I'm a little overwhelmed. Yeah. Well, next week will also be interesting in that it is the only program, or at least the first. I don't think this is true for the rest of them either, though. Uh, next week should be the only program that is in an entire cycle. Uh, we will only be watching films in the Visions in Meditation. Uh, okay. In the Visions in Meditation cycle. I'm uh, into it. Numbers one through four next week. So... So yeah, that should be interesting too. Yeah. And you'll 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 better be able to keep them in chronological order yeah, since because they will be numbered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's helpful. Uh, well, I, I suspect it will be more important in this environment as well, right? Because we do well, want to talk about the progression over that uh, much more clearly, probably. Right. So look forward to diving into that. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am as always the Adam Glass. With me as always, John Patrick Oyatari Dorg. I'll see you next week for more Brackage. Bye. <laughs> Not more loss and criteria, just more brackage. In Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. 
My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>